All right. Well, we're going to continue our series this morning. Actually, it's, I've been asked to do the closing message on the series, Being a Good Neighbor, or What Does It Take to Be a Neighbor? And uh, our kickoff scripture for this was found in Luke 10, 25 to 37, where a teacher of the law came to Jesus to test him, and he said, you know, to the, to the teacher, what, or to Jesus, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus completely changed the question. And he brought the focus about, instead of the focus, what must I do myself to be saved? But what do saved people do? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That's what he did. He flipped it around. He said, this is what saved people are like. This is what saved people do. And he started to tell a story and most of us, if we've ever, or if we've been raised in the church, we know the story from childhood. It's called the story of what? The good, the good Samaritan. And, you know, there are a lot of background, in, there's a lot of background information that isn't shared in the scriptures because the people to which Jesus was speaking, to, the, to whom Jesus was speaking, would have known about these facts. The scene that he, that he paints is an event that occurred on a road to Jericho. Well, that road to Jericho was a dangerous road at certain spots because there were spots along that road where robbers, thieves, evil men could attack you if you were walking on that road alone. And everyone knew it. And they often traveled in groups rather than individually. But Jesus says there was this man. He was a Jewish man. He was, it's auto automatically assumed he was a Jewish man. And he was walking down this road to Jericho and he got attacked by robbers and thieves, he got robbed and beaten and left bloody in the ditch. And then Jesus said, a priest came down the road. And when he saw the man, he moved to the other side and passed him by. What would you know about a priest if he was a Jewish priest? Well, he was socially acceptable. He was religiously looked up to. He was a man of stature in the community. And he should have had a responsibility to know what verse. And that verse is this. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy soul, with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. And the second is like unto it, you shall what? But instead of loving his neighbor, he felt it was inconvenient. So he walked to the other side, passed him by. Then he said, Jesus said, a Levite came along, another man socially acceptable in the Jewish community a leader, a teacher, a man who was supposed to exemplify what it is to know God and to live for God. And when he sees the man, he also moves to the other side of the road and passes him by. Now, the scripture doesn't tell us what was going on in their minds. I imagine if we stopped him and asked, they might have had some excuses. The priest could have said, well, I had my best vestments on. I didn't want to dirty him up. I couldn't afford to buy another one, so I couldn't touch that man. Maybe he could have said, I'm afraid of blood. Maybe he could have said, you know, I'm going to be late for my appointment if I stop and try to help him. The Levite might have said, you know what, this is a dangerous place. That man got robbed. If I stop to help him, maybe those thieves will come back and rob me and take, take my money and beat me up. In other words, we can come up with all kinds of excuses. Amen? I'm too busy. It's too costly. I imagine one of them might have said, you know what? Maybe somebody with a cell phone will come by. <laughs> come on, laugh. 
All right. Or maybe somebody with a donkey who can really help the man. But then Jesus said, a Samaritan came along, a man who was despised by the Jews. You see, if you don't know the history, it's this. this these Samaritans lived in Samaria. They were the first to be taken into captivity. And while they were in captivity, they intermarried with their captives. And so they lost their Jewish distinction. And therefore, the Jewish people despised them. They'd compromised their Jewish heritage, they thought. But this Samaritan comes along and he sees the man in need. He's moved with compassion. Compassion comes from love, folks. The foundation for compassion is love. And so Jesus is showing this teacher of the law that the, the verse that he quoted when Jesus said, how do you read it, as, as one who is a teacher of the law, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So then we get to the end of the story, and, and Jesus says to him, who was a neighbor to this man? And, it, and of course, he said, I guess the man who had mercy on him. And what did Jesus say to the lawyer? Now you go and do what? Exactly the same thing. Now, we've been talking about how to a neighbor, and one of the first things that we addressed was racism. Pastor Jim did a masterful job. Don't you believe so? Who can forget this verse? Racism is not a matter of skin. It's a matter of sin. I hope you, you remember that every day of your life. And that you'll never be able to look at someone who's not of the same ethnic background or color or position of you, as you are and not feel the compassion of God for that person. Amen? All right, so God then had us look at the poor. The poor need our help, but the poor also need to know how to help themselves. Amen? So Pastor Jim pointed out, let's do it. Let's go to the poor and help them. First of all, know how much they're loved by God. And then secondly, let them feel the love that we have for them because of the love of God that's in us. And then thirdly, help them find a way to begin to find meaning and purpose in their own life by their own expression of God's love for them. Amen? I mean, that's our goal is to touch people with God's love and to see them touch others. So there are three things that Jesus points out about this man, the Samaritan. He said, first of all, if we're going to be a man who loves like he did, we'll have to be moved by compassion. And I'm moved by compassion when I see someone who's in a needy condition. Amen? Secondly, I need to be willing to give my time and my resources to minister to the need that is before me. I can't just pass them by as if it didn't matter or if, I, if I'm not moved by their need. And third, I need to stay involved until my neighbor's life is restored to God. That is, if I'm, if I'm a son or a daughter of God and I'm doing what God has commanded me in these two verses. In Matthew 22, 37 to 39, Jesus was asked this very same question, which is the greatest commandment? When he answered it, he used the same verse, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. And then he said, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if the second is like it, what will it take for me to love my neighbor? 
all my heart, what? All my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. <laughs> Amen? In other words, I not only need to love God with everything that I am, but I need to be willing to look at my neighbor and say, I love you the same way. Amen or not? All right, come on, let's, let's get this right. All right, the next thing that uh, we find in the, in the scripture about Jesus' ministry is that he obeyed this command fully. <laughs> if ever there was a neighbor who loved his neighbors as himself, it was Jesus. He came down here, he put on human flesh, he became one of us. So he could, first of all, demonstrate the love of God and, how, and what it will do to an individual who's filled with it. And then secondly, touch everyone he can with that love. Amen? Did he not? Now in Luke 4, verses 18 and 19, we find that Jesus gives his inaugural address as he begins his ministry on earth after being filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me. I bet some of you could quote this for me. What? To preach good news to the... Help me here. Come on, I know there's some Bible people out here. To preach good news to the... All right. To proclaim, to proclaim liberty to the prisoners. All right. To minister uh, recovery of sight to the... To set the oppressed free. All right. And to proclaim or the day of the Lord's favor. Amen. Was that not his, his uh, inaugural address? Now, let me ask you this question. When did Jesus go to a prison? He didn't even go to a prison when his cousin, John the Baptist, was imprisoned by Herod. So what kind of prisoners is he talking about? Prisoners of Satan. Human beings, every, every person born of Adam is born a prisoner to the law of sin, according to the Bible. Amen or not? Were you excluded? Anybody out here that, that doesn't battle with sin? Okay. Who are the poor? Jesus preached to people of every stature, the rich, the poor, the educated, the uneducated, Amen or not? Did he ever say, I've come to eradicate poverty in Israel? He ministered to the poor. He gave to the poor. He and his disciples, they gave money for the poor. But he didn't come to eradicate poverty. He came to minister to those who were poor in spirit. In John 10, he says, I came that you might have life and have it to the fullest extent possible. What was he talking about? He was talking about the fact that Adam lost the spirit of God. I've come back to restore you to the fullest condition that you were created to be in by giving you the Holy Spirit. Amen? All right. How about the, the oppressed? What oppresses people? Who oppresses people? Believe it or not, the devil oppresses people. That's his job. That's his ministry. It's to oppress people, to keep them from wanting to trust that God is good. Because you see, if he can get you to believe that God doesn't love you and that God isn't good, then you're not going to receive the love of God. And if you don't receive the love of God, you have no ability to give it away as God intended you to. Amen? What's the greatest need of the human heart? 
to be loved. To be unconditionally loved for who you are. And you know what? There's only one being that could, can do that for you. And it's God. And he desires to do that for you. Amen? You know, God is not up in heaven withholding love. <laughs> He's up in heaven desiring to pour it out on us. The question is, can we not be so blinded by our earthly situation and by the enemy that we don't understand the love of God or that it's there and available for us, that he wants to pour it out for you every moment of every day that you breathe, that you suck air on this planet? Do you believe that? How many of you are awed by God's love for you? Come on, I mean that. How many are absolutely awed by it? You know what? I appreciated about Pastor or Brother Kevin last week. He was vulnerable enough to show us just how much it impacted him when he realized that God loved him that much. Amen? You know what? Wake up every morning and get awed by God's love for you. And let it be poured into your life. Let it be poured into your heart. Let, you, let yourself experience complete, total acceptance for who you are. Because God created you to receive that love. And then to respond to that love. Love God back. <laughs> love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And guess what? You'll find yourself so full of his love that your neighbor will become the next object who needs to be touched by it. Amen? You know, God created me to be filled with his love, but then this, that's what these two verses say. Be filled with God's love and then express it, love it. Love people with the same love with which you've been loved. How many of you came to faith by yourself? Or how many people came through relationship? Someone showed God's love for you. Someone cared for you. Someone touched you with the reality of who God is. And then the next thing you know, overwhelmed by that, you found yourself open to believe that God could love you. Amen or not? Amen. You see, God, God wants his kingdom plan to be worked out through people who are willing to be filled with his love and then touch others with that very same love. Amen or not? Amen. Thou shalt love thy neighbor how? You know, John got this right, the apostle John, and he says it so simply. When we get to First John. But before we go there, I want to, I'm sorry, I, I get, I do have notes. The first note was this, what condition were you in when God saved you? Ephesians 2 says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature deserving God's wrath. But then in Romans 5.10 it says, while we were still enemies, God reconciled us to himself through the death of his son. 2 Corinthians 5.16-21 so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Oh, how easy is it for us to regard people from a worldly point of view? 
I've told Pastor Jim, I have three prayer requests. God, I want to feel your heart for people. God, I want to see people from your perspective. And God, I want to touch people with your love. Amen? Make that the cry of your heart. God, I want to feel your love for people. God, I want to see them the way you do. And God, I want to touch them with with your power and with your love. Amen? What a way to live. I'm telling you, every day gets exciting. Every day gets to be a new opportunity to be, one, in love with God, two, loved by God. And I'm telling you, if you tell him you want to feel his heart, he's going to give you his heart. He's going to overwhelm you with his heart. And it won't matter what your earthly circumstance is because that's, that's a minor thing compared to the kingdom of God and his purpose for your life. Amen? You know, sometimes um, we get to where the Apostle John wrote these, these wonderful things for us. In First in John 4, he said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone that's born of God knows God and is loved by God. Right? See, I, don't, I think I added some things there. <laughs> Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Everyone who's born of God knows God and is loved by God, I think, right? Oh, wow. Beloved, let us love one another. Love is from God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. He who loveth not knoweth not God, for God is. Brothers and sisters, understand this. If God is love, he couldn't have created you without it. So you were created by love. You were created for love. And you were created to be a lover. Amen? You know, sometimes we take that verse and we apply it to the church and it stops there. Because it says, beloved, at the beginning of it, let us love one another. But am I to love only in the church? Am I only to be a good neighbor to my brothers and sisters in Christ? Or am I supposed to love everyone the way God loves them? And see them the way God sees them? You know, God tells me not to judge my neighbor, but he doesn't tell me not to discern what their spiritual condition is. Amen? What I was trying to tell you by that Ephesians passage is, you know what? The world is in the ditch. And people are bleeding. You don't have addiction in the world because somebody's overwhelmed by the love of God. They're trying to minister to the pain of being rejected or feeling rejected by someone or something. How many have been wounded by a human parent that didn't do what God intended them to do and then lived the rest of their life because of that pain? When the real source of your love, the love that will never fail, is from where? God. And the devil keeps wanting him to have a bad name and you not to trust him so that you won't receive that love. Because once you receive that love, the devil's done in your life.
Amen? So, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord how? And the second is like unto it. You shall love yourself. No, no, that's not what it says. You know, we do pretty good at that, don't we? Loving ourselves. We take pretty good care of our needs if, as much as we possibly can in this life. But do we see the needs of others? You know, I, I was privileged when I felt called of God to go to a Bible college where the president was Dr. Joe Aldrich. And he had just written a book prior to taking that position called Lifestyle Evangelism. And it was based on his own life. Because while he went to seminary in Dallas, Texas, he and his wife decided that they would move to an apartment in the red light district outside the campus. By the time they graduated from that seminary, he had led 35 of the families to Christ. You know how he did it? He just loved them first. In his book, he wrote, love people till they ask you why. <laughs> he also wrote in there, most people don't really understand what it is to be loved. And if you start becoming a friend to someone who's in the world and you really love them, they'll think you're their very best friend. I was coaching youth soccer while I was there at, camp, at college, partly because I wanted to be with my own kids and get them involved in some things. And the games were not on Sunday, you can bet that, right? If it was a Bible college. <laughs> but anyway, um, so Joyce and I decided we'd put this into practice, and I picked a couple that, that uh, were parents to one of my players, and we invited them to our home for a dinner. And we just, just shared with them a dinner and said, we'd like to get to know you. Tell us about yourself. And so they began to share their life with us. And the next thing you know, we got a call, could you come to our home for dinner? So we went to their home for dinner. And again, we just cared about them. We didn't focus on ourselves. We focused on them, their, their situation, their, their burdens, all the things that were going on and how they got to where they were in life. And when we left that evening, they said, we just want you to know something. You're our best friends. <laughs> Two nights. Brothers and sisters, we are not going to accomplish love your neighbors yourself by loving each other in the church only. For years, the church had church on Sunday nights, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, prayer meeting on another night. I mean, they had Christians so much in the church that they weren't in the world. Amen? You know, some of us think it's a modern thing to only have church on Sunday morning and no Wednesday night prayer meeting. But we do try to have a prayer meeting at our church one night of the week. What I'm trying to tell you is this. We've freed you up so you can minister for Jesus. We've freed you up so you can be what God has created and saved you to be. Vessels of his love who will touch the world with it. Amen? Do you have it on your calendar that your neighbor needs your love? gotten real quiet. Joyce and I have, have had so many wonderful experiences when we ask God to use us this way. 
when I worked at the post office, I just loved on the men that, were in, that I worked with. And by that, I mean I just cared for them. I wanted to know how they were doing. I wanted to know what their challenges were. I wanted to reach out to them in the name of Jesus Christ. And one of the guys I worked with is Peter Rabaha. And you know what? Peter and, and his wife Natalie and now their kids have come to this church. And he's had a, he had a dramatic life change. Amen? All I did was show him the love of Jesus, and he wanted to know where I went to church. We've loved other neighbors and watched them come to Christ. <laughs> it's so awesome. When we lived in San Jose, just before we left for Bible college, there was a, a family across the church with two teenagers, and they were, they were going so, through some rough time with those kids. And we just shared, shared our love for them and, and compassion for their situation. And after, we didn't see them come to Christ. We didn't see them go to our church, but they knew where we went, and they knew that we went often. And after we were at Bible college for a year, we got this awesome letter. They had gone to the church where we had gone. They had been saved by Jesus Christ, and the whole family was baptized, and they were excited about being a Christian. Amen? Say, so, you know, sometimes you don't see the fruit immediately. Amen? But you don't give up. You just keep loving. You just keep loving in Jesus' name. Now, I'm not trying to exalt things God has used me to do or have you look at me like I'm some superstar, but I'm just trying to tell you, this is how God works. When I was at Lockheed Martin, I was a pastor of Lockheed Martin. <laughs> Does that make sense to you? I would go around, lay hands on guys, pray for them, talk to them about Jesus, talk to them about life, but I, I did it in a way where I wasn't challenging them that they had to be just like me. Does that make sense? I was just telling them how much God loved them and how much he wanted to touch their lives and be there for them. When 9-11 happened, they called me on the phone. I didn't know they were going to do this, but apparently they, they found out that I was an ordained minister. They called me on the phone and had me go down to the main conference room, and I led a prayer meeting of over 250 people because of 9-11. You never know what your opportunity is going to be, Amen. But you need to be a light everywhere you go. And you need to be someone who wants to touch people with the love of Jesus Christ. Um, when, I worked at, when I worked there at Lockheed, one of my jobs was, was to train Japanese naval officers in some of the processes that were being sold to the Japanese. By God's grace, five of those men came to Christ. How did they come to Christ? They came to my home and they watched the Jesus video in Japanese. I just happened to have a copy of that in Japanese. <laughs> Why? Because I wanted to love my neighbor as what? And I knew they would not be exposed to that probably in Japan. From that, we got a, an email that, that said this. My daughter is is uh, 13, was it 13, 16 years old. She would like to come to America and learn how to speak English better and to learn about God. Could she come and live with you? Is that awesome? Joyce and I looked at, what? How did this happen? And we found out that 
the wife of one of the Japanese guys that had come to Christ had gone back and shared with his co- her co-worker about her, their relationship with us, and she wanted to trust her daughter to us for seven weeks here in the United States. So she came, and she spent seven weeks with us, and we didn't exactly know whether she received Christ or not. By the way, do you know that the Japanese don't hug? They don't. They, they bow. When the first time we hugged them, they were... But, you know, by the time they left, they were hugging us. God is so good. He wants to touch people with the love that he's put in your heart. Have you been overwhelmed by the love of God for you? If you haven't been overwhelmed by the love of God for you, you're missing out on the greatest resource that you could possibly experience on the planet. Amen or not? Some of us have accepted it. I accepted Jesus in my heart. I'm a saved Christian. I know I'm going to heaven. That's awesome. But are you overwhelmed moment by moment with the fact of his love for you? No matter what you're facing. No matter what your situation is. And then your response can be, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And once you're filled with his love, it is so easy to love your neighbor as yourself. The end of the story is that little girl and her mother were baptized the next Christmas in Japan as born-again believers. And the next year, they ministered to Dr. Lee when he needed to go from one airport to another in Japan. And they he, it was going to cost him $300 to to get public transportation because of the late night arrival and the fact that there were no buses or trains running. So they went in a car, picked him up, and drove him from one airport to the other. And he said all the way they played Christian music and told how grateful they were for Joyce and I. (laughs) When you get to heaven, God doesn't care what your bucket list looked like. He's not going to be impressed with how much of the world you conquered. But he is going to want to know, who did you love? This neighboring thing is a lifestyle. Amen? Come on, it's not an event we do once in a while when we go in the city, although that's vital and it's important. I'll bet you there are people in this auditorium this morning that have come to know Jesus and his love because we went to the city. Amen? That's a vital thing. That's a good thing. But don't let that be the loving, the extent of your love the neighbor as yourself. Start seeing people as people God loves, even if they're not living like it. Amen? Come on. God loves How many people does God love? Anybody? Everybody. Is he selective in his love? Well, I hope you guys are getting the meaning. This is what moved our pastor to to do this series. This is what moved him. God is love. In love we were created. In love we were redeemed. To be filled with his love. To love one another as we've been loved. Herein is love. Not that we love God, that he loved us and sent his one and only son to be the reconciling sacrifice for mankind. You've heard me preach it before, probably, 
Jesus is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. For God's character to be revealed, he had to be a redeemer. It had to be love. Amen? So I don't know what you're facing in your life. I don't know if you were lonely this past Thanksgiving or if you were blessed with family. Some people, the holidays are some of the loneliest times for them. We must reach out to them in love. Amen? What must I commit myself to do if I'm to love my neighbor as myself? I'm going to give you three things. You'll need to see lost people as God does. You'll need to love people the way God does. And you're going to need to be committed to be involved in the process. Amen? Would you bow with me? First thing I want you to do is thank God for someone that loved you in his name. second thing I want you to do is to ask God to show you how much he really loves you. In order to see that, you're going to have to lay down any offense or any doubt that you have about the love of God. Or that any circumstance on earth that has happened to you because of sin happened because God didn't love you. That's just not the truth. So Holy Spirit, I ask you right now in Jesus' name to move throughout this congregation and touch people with the love of Jesus Christ. the love of God the Father, the unconditional love. Thank you, Holy Spirit. third thing I'm going to ask you to pray for is that God would begin to touch other people through you with the love that he has for them. And that you will realize that it's not based on you, it's based on him. It won't come from you, it'll come from him. But it'll move through you when you want it to. Father, I just thank you this morning that that's what we're created for. I thank you for that, that uh, loving people is not just a good idea. It's a God idea. And I pray that you will enter into the joy of Jesus. And he said, I want you to know my joy. And it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. And he's ascended to the right hand of the Father. So thank you, God, for making it your plan that we'd be a part of who you are. 
and what you're like. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you this morning. I hope you will find every day is an opportunity to be loved by God. Amen? I thank you for being here in Jesus' name. Amen.